here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. It's my music. Break it down. It's the king. Oh, you didn't know? Stand back. I'm a Mamacita. Do you smell what The Rock is cooking? Feed me. You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of professional wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm your host, the Barbarian, Andrew Rich, and joining me, as always, on this muscular mystery tour is uh, my good friend and partner and other co-host. He's the Kenzo Suzuki to my Rene Dupree, the Charlie Haas to my Rico, the the Jake Gemini to my Jesse Gemini, the Scorelord, Chris Maffei. Chris, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, doing well. No, listen, I'm not just doing well. I'm, I'm doing it big. I don't know about you. I'm doing it big. I, I sent, when, when it comes to money, Chris, you do it big. When it comes to making moves, you do it big too. And like when it comes to cars, do you do it big as well, Chris? When it comes to so? car repairs, I do it big. Uh yes. I pay, I I spend big. That's where the big money comes in. Uh, that's where they get you. Wherever you go, that's where they get you. We're both having some car troubles this week, huh? We we are. We are. Unfortunately, uh, my battery has been acting up. I think a spark plug on your end. I got to get a new Bob Holly. That's you know. I know. Yep. You know, start your engines. You know, that's what Vince always said. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, goddamn, Bob Holly's a race car driver. Chris, last time we spoke was the much lauded, much appreciated Dragon Gate heel themes episode. And that was very much, you know, like I said last time, that was very much your wheelhouse, considering Dragon Gate is very much your favorite promotion. Today we are talking about a time in WWE that is undoubtedly my wheelhouse, because honestly, it was a time of my life when I was the most obsessive over WWE. I watched every single TV show. I watched a lot of the pay-per-views, every week, every hour of the day, you know, wrestling WWE this era. I'm talking about, of course, the ruthless aggression era of the WWE, coming off the heels of the Attitude Era and the Invasion. Certainly a very interesting time for for WWE, wouldn't you say, Chris? Yeah, this was really the shift towards the company that we now know today today. When you go back and you watch shows from this time period, you can see a lot of the groundwork being laid for the way that they produce television now, the way that the company just feels overall. You could go watch a Raw from 2004, and besides a couple of key things, it largely feels like the same product, the same program, the same production, the same style. But there's a lot about this era of themes 
that I have to say sets it apart from what came before and what would come after. Yeah, it's this weird middle period where you've got the absolute heyday of Jim Johnston Attitude Era themes with Rock and Austin and Triple H and all that stuff. Nowadays, we have another golden era, it seems, of themes with CFOs with, you know, Bobby Roode, Alistair Black, Nakamura, so many themes to talk about. But much like it was a transition period for WWE away from WWF Attitude Era into this sort of modernized, you know, less risque, but not entirely less risque version of WWE, it's very much as well a transitional period for the wrestling themes here. Yeah, and we're going to see a lot of that over the course of this episode and just how, from what we've already experienced with Attitude Era themes and earlier themes, maybe a little bit more of a muscle to the sound, to Jim Johnston's sound, especially in the hard rock and the metal tracks. Also, we're going to see that some of the hip-hop themes during this time became a little bit more authentic in the context of the sound of hip-hop at the time. You know, of course, they still all had metal guitars all over them, because that's a, oh, yeah. a, a Jim Johnston staple, but still... In my opinion, the quality of the themes overall in this era declined a little bit. Now, that's not to say that they were bad. That's to say that the Attitude Era was Jim Johnston firing on all cylinders. And this was just a little bit different, is what I'll say mm -hmm. before we really get into it. A little bit different, but still a ton of memorable themes. And that was really apparent to me. With all of the tracks that we picked for this episode, I was like, wow, I just have such clear memories of all of these, and I can just close my eyes and picture exactly what was going on at the time. The era we're talking about is certainly production-wise, I think. You know, obviously, as time goes by, technology improves. This is the mid-2000s. You know, production is so much better now, you know, quality-wise, in terms of sound, I think. But again, do you really take better sound quality over themes that really grab you and hold on for dear life, you know? It's not to say that this was a massive step down. It was just like, how can you follow up the period that Jim Johnston had in the late 90s? Exactly. Everything that he'd ever done was building up to that, and he was just on fire, much like the company itself. And that pattern follows the company as well. This felt like a bit of a step down from what was happening in the late 90s and just in terms of overall prestige and appeal although the product in many ways was superior and the wrestling certainly the in-ring was superior it felt like a step down it felt like now we're kind of reaching the plateau of where this is it's not a low it's not a valley we're reaching the plateau and this to me feels like a plateau for Jim Johnston. This is where it's at at this point in time. It's not spiking high. It's not surging low. But this is kind of where it was. Yeah, well, you know, WCW is gone now. Just like, you know, where's the motivation for Vince to really, you know, crank out the hits? Jim Johnston, there's no need to, you know, crank out the hits for the, for the, the big time superstars here. You can rest. You can, you can rest comfortably. You can take it down a step, you know? He doesn't have to go full force here. Really, I think this is Jim Johnston trying different things, experimenting with some new sounds, some ethnic sounds as well, and just kind of having fun and making some, still making some memorable theme music, as he always does. I think to sum it up, really, it's a different era. It's not a bad era. It's not the best era. It's just, it's just different. It's not a good era. It's not a bad era. It's, it's the, the era. era. <laughs> Like I said, I was so obsessive with this period of WWE. Uh, coming into it, you know, summer 2003, I was like a sponge. 
And because of that, because of this, this, this three or four year period where I was just obsessive over everything they did, all those memories, all those moments, all those matches get sucked into my brain and they just stay there. You know, I, I have so much useless information about a lot of these, you know, stupid angles and, and terrible wrestlers. You know, I can't tell you anything about, you know, IRAs or mortgages. But if you ask me, hey, hey, Andrew, what was that match that Rosie and the Hurricane had on Raw Roulette in 2003? I'd say, oh, obviously, it was the Capture the Midget match, where the goal of the match was to chase a midget around the arena, and the first person to catch him wins. And Chris, do you want to guess who won that match? I don't know. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to tell me. Well, in, in the swerve of all swerves, it turned out to be good old Jr. Jim Ross, <laughs> because uh, Rosie and the Hurricane were chasing the midget around the arena, and it ended up the uh, the midget jumped into Jim Ross's lap to get away from them, and all of a sudden the bell rings, and Leland Garcia goes, "The winner of the capture the midget match, good old Jr. Jim Ross." You know, it's interesting the memories we retain. That's what I remember. <laughs> Okay, that's just that's just one thing too. That's just one iota of the just endless amount of of shit and and dreck and and, and nonsense that I remember from this time period. I can go on, Chris. Do you want to go on? I can name more random stuff if you want. I mean, I feel like that's what this entire episode is for. Well, then let me introduce you to our theme machine 2017. This little baby, I picked it up at Best Buy. It's going to randomize our themes. It's going to shuffle them around. It's going to pick them for us. What do you think about that, Chris? Huh? Little, little handy little device we got here, don't you think? Yeah, but you know what? I hope you got the warranty because you never know. When you're getting one of these things at Best Buy, I mean, you know, eh, I don't know. You should have gone to B&H. All right, listen. The Circuit City was closed. I had to go somewhere. <laughs> got to go with the options, Chris, you know? We'll give it a try. We'll give it a try. If we have to call the Geek Squad, then we will. We'll see what happens. Or the Job Squad. You know, we never oh, know. Hey, hey, hey now. Oh. Come on. Hey, let's get this thing rolling, Chris. Let's let's get this Ruthless Aggression theme shuffle right on track here with our first theme. Let's kick it off with our first theme. Three, two, one, shuffle. Well, looky here, Chris. Looky what we have for our very first theme. Muhammad Hassan and Davari, this is Arab Americans by Jim Johnston. I mean, look, listen, talk about an auspicious first theme here. If controversy creates cash, Muhammad Hassan would be a millionaire. A very, very controversial character in the history of this company, and really a very talented performer whose career was just drastically cut short before his potential could even attempt to be realized. Like, you know, everything about this was stereotypical WWE at its most stereotypical and awful. Not just, you know, we'll get to the theme in a second here, but yeah, everything about Muhammad Hassan and Davari, very, uh, very tricky to deal with in, you know, 2004, 2005. It's funny, Chris, he talks about, you know, Muslims and Arabs being stereotyped after 9-11, doesn't sound very heelish, you know? It sounds sounds like a noble thing, but, you know, in the world of WWE, he's, he's a heel. If you're open to that sort of a, an idea, yeah, yeah. which 
the WWE crowds at this time, and probably still today, or not. Uh, no. It, it just, it's just one of these things where he's, he's a different ethnicity, he's a different religion, he speaks a different language, he looks different, we're gonna boo him. And that's society in general. But, I mean, listen, mm. we're, we're a happy, fun times, enjoying music, laughing at things podcast, so we're not gonna get too political on things. No, no, no. But I think as a character, and for all the potential of Muhammad Hassan, and it's just, it's a real shame that we didn't get to see what this could, mm-hmm. what he could become. But I mean, all things considered, I think this is a great theme for a heel because the crowd would just immediately boo. And, you know, not, not even really knowing why they're booing. Oh, yeah. But still doing it anyway. Yeah. If you're Joe Schmo in Middle America and all of a sudden you hear, booing. It could be, you know, Jesus Christ himself coming out to this theme song, and they're probably still going to boo him. <laughs> Jesus Christ aside, Chris, uh, this song, uh, listen, what's to say about it? It is Middle Eastern up the wazoo here. We got chanting, we've got the bongos, we've got, you know, this, this Arabic little guitar string instrument. It's either a sitar or it's an nood, which is like a, a Greek instrument or something like that. But it, you hear this thing and it, you think immediately Middle Eastern, Arab, Muslim. It fits the character, obviously, to a T here. And this song incorporates a classic Arabic style of singing called mawal, which is, quote, a traditional genre of vocal music that is usually presented before the actual songs begin. It is characterized by spelling vowel syllables longer than usual. That's what you hear in the beginning, in the intro, the stinger at the beginning. That's just a little background of the type of vocals, the vocal style that you hear in the beginning and throughout this song. When you're talking about, you know, Middle Eastern themes, I guess you could say, to me, this song is a lot different than the Iron Sheik's theme, Desert Threat, because this, I think, focuses more on the religious aspect of it than Iron Sheik's theme, I think, does. Because Iron Sheik's theme, it's more about, to me anyway, it's more about the location. It's not very much vocally centered. It's more about the instrumentation, the music. You know, you're there, like, down, 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 It's very much more about, you know, classic back alleyways and people wearing fezzes and hidden secrets. You know, Mr. Bond, welcome to Manakesh, you know, that kind of thing. To me, this is much more, you know, modern day, uh, I guess, middle, you know, Middle East kind of stuff, you know, where it's very much tinged on religion and that kind of stuff, so. But much like the, that Iron Sheik theme, this is the classic Big Jim Johnston blend of traditional ethnic music with rock guitars. Oh, yes. And in yes. this case, uh, a little bit of a hip-hop beat as well. Now, he, the, listen, he just, he loved to throw some high-gain guitars on everything. Oh, he loved like, it. Like, I'm pretty sure if, if there was ever a need for a polka theme he would just have metal guitar somewhere in the mix like because he just has to even you know it's completely unnecessary you know such as this theme but he just has to have them in there he can't help himself can't help it uh, big jimmy yeah muhammad Hassan. he didn't last that long he came in december 2004 he was around until you know july 2005 so about seven months or so when we had muhammad Hassan. Uh, there's a reason for that, by the way. I, I think you probably remember this, Chris. The day of the London bombings, July 7th, they shot an angle like a couple days beforehand for SmackDown because it's taped, obviously, back then, uh, where Undertaker, who Hassan was feuding with, he was attacked in the ring by masked men in uh, black shirts and camo pants. And they, they beat him up with clubs and they choked him out with piano wire. And even though this was taped, and even though this aired on July 7th, 
they didn't cut it out. They, you know, they aired it in Canada and the U.S. They cut it out in U.K. and I think Australia too and some other places. But in the U.S. they aired it, and they had like advisory warnings on the bottom of the screen. But uh, this thing, man, this got huge coverage. Man, this was all over the place. So much so that UPN actually banned Hassan from the, from the network. They banned him. They, they wouldn't let him on screen, um, which is unheard of. I can't think of anything else like this, to be honest with you. Although, in a weird way, this actually led to the on-screen debut of uh, Muhammad Hassan's lawyer, Thomas Whitney, a.k.a. Thomas Penmanship, a.k.a. Tommaso Ciampa. Go back and watch the segment where Muhammad Hassan's lawyer is in the ring with The Undertaker. That is a 20-year-old Tommaso Ciampa. That's one of the coolest things about this time period in WWE, when big-name indie talent of the last few years would just randomly show up in these in these roles as like a fake doctor or a fake lawyer yeah. or something like that. That's always fun. I think Undertaker, like Tombstone or something. Muhammad Hassan, controversial, as we said, uh, they just kept him off TV. And then his last appearance was at Great American Bash, which is uh, matched with The Undertaker, where Undertaker gave him a last ride through the stage. And they never saw him again. And that was it. It's a shame. A, a talented guy. I remember even at the time, even me at like 14 years old, I was like, what? you know, this guy's really good. Gimmick aside, you know, he could be something. And it was just a shame that things went down the way they did and we never got to see what he could have become. No, he, he retired after this too. He just yeah. gave up on wrestling. And the capper was, wasn't even Arab. Yeah, he's Italian. 100% Italian. They came to him in developmental and said, we need someone to play this character. And they chose him. So he only got like, you know, seven months of screen time, but goddamn, he left the mark, man. And a very memorable theme as well. He did. A very memorable theme. I think Davari actually kept it. He did. When Davari went on his own. I always enjoyed Davari. He's a solid man. He's a, This he's, Davari. Sean Davari. Sean Davari, a.k.a. Sheikh Abdul Bashir from TNA. But uh, yeah, Chris, that is our first theme, Muhammad Hassan and Davari's theme, Arab Americans. Ready for theme number two? Oh, yeah. All right. Let's do it, baby. Let's do it. And let's do it. Big. Let's do it big. Three, two, one, shuffle. <laughs> Nothing move but the money, yeah. Uh, I do what I want to, act how I want to, say what I want to, act who I want to. When it come to come, do it big. When it come to money, do it big. When it come to making money, do it big. Whenever I do something, yeah, I do it big. Being as good, gotta be a gift and a curse because I'm feeling my best and y'all feeling the worst. Simply mean somebody gonna get hurt. No pain fell here unless y'all feeling it first. Don't play with me, I mean you should know. When it comes to money, Chris, like we said, he does it big. Yeah, listen, he does what he wants to, he acts how he wants to, he says what he wants to, he max who he wants to. He max who he wants to. Who who says max like in that con like like I know like fourteen year olds at summer camp we used to say we who you macking with? But it's very interesting Did, that this... Wait, whoa, you know, whoa, whoa. Did you... Seriously, you you really said that. Yeah. Who you making... Who you you mac, really, you who really you, used that in that context. Who you macking with, that was the, the phrase of the day. Or the, th- the seven weeks, I should say, that the summer camp, but... Uh, wow. Eh? Wow. I, I See, I've never actually heard anybody use this in that context outside of music, <laughs> you know? I think I really think it's only acceptable to use... In music, you know, Return of the Mac by Mark Morrison, the greatest song of all time. You know, the Mac Militant. Coming to give it all. Yeah. I mean, it's not even that context, yeah. but still, just the, the word listen, Mac. Listen, Chris, we need, we need to talk about this guy, Orlando Jordan. This is his theme. This is a song called Do It Big 
by Silk the Shocker. Uh, he used it when he turned heel and he joined JBL's cabinet. Um, so he went from being, you know, random, just a guy, you know, smiling black man to chief of staff for Orlando Jordan. He's going to get a push. He's going to get a U.S. title run and all this stuff, you know, so... This is, his, this is his moment, his moment at WWE. Orlando Jordan, as, or as I used to like to call him, Osmosis Jones. <laughs> I, 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 I was hoping you'd, you'd remember that. I remember that movie, yes. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure that I remember Orlando Jordan using this for that long, but as soon as I heard the intro, you know, a do what I want to say what I want to do, what I, yeah. I, I, I remembered that. But the theme that I always associated with Orlando Jordan is uh, Too Much Mustard. Yes. From the Big Beats album of the X-Series production library, as I mentioned in the Dragon Gate episode. Yeah. Uh, I I always associated that one with him. So I I was like, oh, yeah, he did have this for a time. Yeah, that Too Much Mustard theme, I always called it the one with all the bats in it. Yeah. (laughs) Because it it sounds like like bats are like... It it does. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, this was his theme for his heel turn. In uh, 2004, you know, JBL in the you know, the middle of his big WWE title run, he needs a posse. He needs some goons. He needs some some pawns to, you know, throw in the way of Undertaker and Booker T. Who does he get? He gets the Bastion Brothers as his secretaries of defense. And he gets, as his chief of staff, Orlando Jordan. So he gets this theme, too. And really, you know, if you're going to get a new theme as this new cocky heel persona, it doesn't hurt to get a theme that it hits all the marks, you know? Talk about money. Talk about cars. Talk about being rich. Talk about hitting on other people's girls. You know. Talk about you know the lifestyle. Beating people up. You know. It's it's heel theme work 101, and it, it works. You know. Whenever you can use it. It also doesn't hurt when you get Silk the Shocker. You uh, got yes. to get Silk the Shocker on the horn. You got to get him. Now, of course, Silk the Shocker, prominent for his involvement with Master P and No Limit in the 90s. Master P's. Hopefully someone that we're, we will talk about at length at, at some point. Mm-hmm. His involvement with WCW. Yeah, his, uh, his brothers. They're brothers. Yeah. You know who else is brothers with those two? Our good buddy C. Murder. Wolfpack. Three brothers right there. Now, Silk the Shocker, here's the thing. Now, I'm the hip-hop guy of the two of us, right? So Yes, I, I agree, yes. Silk the Shocker is not somebody that I've ever listened to. And here's the thing. He sounds like every rapper that I made music with in high school. There's just something about him that's so amateur sounding. His flow, his patterns. You know, a lot of it is decent, but he often tries to cram too much into a line or too little into a line. Either too many syllables or too few syllables. So he either has to cram things into a line and it sounds amateur, or he has to extend syllables and they sound amateur. And he's not doing it purposely because he's not practicing the Mawal Arabic vocal technique here. So the shocker, he is certainly not. No, He's just not that great of a rapper. But, I mean... I actually like this theme. Yeah. All that considered, I I think this is this is fun. The lyrics are fun. I, I like his tone of voice as well. If he could tighten up the flow a little bit, I I, I think it'd be doing a little bit more for me. But really, I mean, these lyrics, we got to get into these lyrics, man. I will say, you know, one of the lyrics I have on my notes here, you know, really emphasize the, the turn from you know being this you know generic babyface guy to being this new rich heel with JBL. The line, I'm getting richer, y'all get the picture, from country boy to city slicker. So, you know, nice how it, you know, emphasizing Orlando Jordan's you know, turn here, which I think is pretty cool. There's a line here, no stopping me, that's unlikely. Why, when I can just do it like Nike? 
man, yeah, they want to be like me. Because the girls want to creep with me nightly. Ladies, yeah, I'm single, but I'm far from the wedding thing. But I have married women switching up their wedding ring. He's a player, Chris. He's a player. You could write better rap lyrics than this. Uh, uh, Perhaps I could with my genius intellect and tremendous writing skills. But that aside, Chris, of course, not the most complicated lyrics in the world. Just do it like Nike. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Like, come on. Like, this is this is like 2004. Do you understand how many times that line has been said throughout the history of hip hop? And yet he's still doing it. And also, rhyming wedding thing with wedding ring. Man, Silk the Shocker, just one of the laziest rappers in the game. He did MVP's theme as well at the time. MVP hated hated that song. And I don't blame him. Because there's some lyrics. Oh, man, there's some lyrics in there. And I cannot wait to discuss that. But, man, listen. Lyrically, it's your standard, you know, braggadocious, I get money, money I got type of song. Yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure if you were aware of this before, but I mean, it, it is rumored that he does everything big. Now, I'm, I may be way off base here, but I, I remember hearing something about this somewhere. So I think I heard it too. I think I heard, I think I heard when it comes to cars, screeching cars, he does a big. When it comes to money, to ching, he does a big. And when it comes to making moves, ah, uh, no, he now, does a big. now hold, now hold on a so, minute, player. <laughs> when it comes to making moves, now. Why would there be a moan there, is what I want to know. Chris, Chris, you, you simple boy. Making moves, macking. No, no! Come on, man. He's a, he's a player. But He's a player. He gets with the ladies. Come I, I, on. Thought, I thought he's making moves, making million-dollar moves. Oh, I didn't think no, he was that, making those kind of moves. No, that's a, di- a different person entirely. It's a different different theme entirely, Chris. Oh, oh man. I, I hate to break it to you, man. You, you know, it's funny. Anytime a rapper says they do it big... It reminds me of that Think Big song from Doug. Do you remember that? No. This is the second time you referenced Doug, by the way, in the podcast. The people out there appreciate it. I know. Uh, Orlando Jordan, he was U.S. champion for like six months. He beat John Cena. So, you know, spice up the whole JBL Cena match for WrestleMania. He lost a belt to Chris Benoit at SummerSlam in 25 seconds, like flat. It was pretty, pretty crazy how it ended like that, just, just like that. Well, when he left WWE, he had kind of fizzled out. He didn't really do much. He kind of went away from JBL. He wanted to do a bisexual gimmick, Chris, because uh, he actually is bisexual in real life, but the WWE wouldn't do it. However, a certain company called TNA, when he came to those doors, he got that gimmick, and boy, oh boy, was that a fucking weird gimmick. Orlando Jordan and TNA was the weirdest fucking thing. He came out with, like, police tape outfits. He covered himself with milk like, he was having matches. He had matches with Rob Terry, which is just, you know, not that great, to say the least. It was a very strange time to see Orlando Jordan like this, so far away from what we normally see from him, you know, doing it big with JBL, you know? Oh, yes, yes. But, I mean, in terms of this song here, I like this song a lot. And I, I like the beat, actually, too. You know, it's it's smooth. It's easy to get into. It's easy to rap over. Mm. I, w- I do wonder who produced this, though, because this does not sound at all like a Big Jim Johnston production. It, the, the giveaway there is the distinct lack of metal guitars yes. anywhere in the mix. It's it's a very smooth, a very polished production, Very you, something you could hear on the radio, something very authentic 
authentic to what hip hop sounded like at the time. Yep. I'd actually say that this might be one of the more underrated instances of using a mainstream rapper on a theme. Oh yeah. Even though Silk the Shocker, he's I mean, he's listen, he's not exactly Nas over here. No, he's he's no Mino. Who is though? Besides besides the Undertaker. <laughs> this is this is fun to listen to, you know? I was I was listening to this before we started recording. This is uh man. Yeah. And Silk the Shocker, it's like he's just decent enough to be an actual rapper, you know? So good on him for for <laughs> good on him for being related to to prominent people is what we'll say. Yes, good on you, Silk. All right, Chris, ready for theme number three? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do the shuffle, baby. Three, two, one, shuffle. Oh, hello. <laughs> if it isn't sweet Chucky P, Chuck Palumbo, good old Charles Palumbo here in the house with his biker gimmick. Hello there, Chuck. Oh, my God. L- listen, we could at any time in this podcast insert a nobody remembers him joke, but it's just <laughs> too easy. Yeah. It's just. Plus, I, I remember him. I remember him, goddammit. I remember. <laughs> Biker Chuck Palumbo. I remember FBI Chuck Palumbo with Nunzio and Johnny the Bull Stamboli. He had like a really sweet super kick to him. I'll give him that. And a nice little snow and drop too. He picked people up and dropped him. You know, we're not talking about FBI Chuck Palumbo. We're talking about Biker Chuck Palumbo. This is his theme, You Will Remember Me, by uh, Jim Johnston and Jimmy Bell, featuring on vocals Howard Jones. Yes, Howard Jones. From the band uh, Kill Switch Engage, which did uh, CM Punk's theme, This Fire Burns. Also now, he's in a band called Devil You Know. He's no longer with Kill Switch. But, yes. you know, it took me years until I learned that this was Howard Jones. Because at the time, you know, I didn't have this theme on my computer or anything. I, wasn't li- I was only listening to it on TV. So I never really realized that it was Howard. And, and then, like, a couple of years ago, I was listening to it on YouTube. I was like, holy shit, that's Howard. But, man, the, just the lyrical premise of this, especially that, uh, especially that chorus, it's just high comedy. Like, there's no two ways about it. Just Chuck, Pal- Chuck Palumbo's theme, starting out with the words, you will remember me, is... It, that's the. This is why we do this podcast right here. This is why I transcribe the <laughs> lyrics here because there are. Yeah, you you can't find these lyrics anywhere else. I transcribe these lyrics. I had a blast doing them because it is hard rock WWE Jim Johnston, you know, tough guy theme to the max here. These battle scars, I wear them on with pride, and I bleed for what I believe. And this, this is the road I travel. I will not compromise. Hey, now, Chris, we got a badass on our hands here. Yeah, and you're going to remember him. You're going to remember. You're going to remember. If you see him on this highway, you will remember him. <laughs> Could you imagine just driving down that? Oh, shit, that's, oh Chuck, that's, Chuck, that's Chuck Palumbo. That's, that's Chuck. Holy shit. That's Chuck. Oh, man, I'm going to I'm gonna remember this. Where's my journal? I got to write. I to pull up and write this thing down. God damn, where, where is it? <laughs> so, yeah, Chuck Palumbo, he was in the FBI for a few years. He left the company. He came back. They re-signed him. They gave him this new gimmick as a biker. And uh, listen, this is true to real life because, you know, Chuck Palumbo in real life is a biker. He has his own bike shop. He, you know, fixes them up. He customizes them. He loves bikes. So why not, you know, go with what you know here? 
if you're going to, you know, bring him back and sort of give him this little mini push that he had, you know? Oh, yeah. But but be that as it may, everybody obviously was going to compare him to Biker Taker. Like, yeah, uh, it, yeah. it was just, it was inevitable. Like, you can't, you know, and it's quite fitting as well because some of the riffs here, especially that main verse riff, seem to be inspired a little bit by Sad But True by Metallica. You noticed that too? Yes, I noticed that too, yes. Yeah, and that was sampled, obviously, in American Badass, which was the Biker Taker theme. Yep. One of the Biker Taker themes. So, very, you know, fitting. And a subtle, you know, I'm not sure if it was intentional or not, but if it was, a subtle nod. Yeah. Another not-so-subtle nod, sticking him with Michelle McCool, The Undertaker's wife. Oh, yeah. Look at, look at that. He didn't go anywhere. I'm sorry. They brought him in with like a win streak, you know, on SmackDown. Chuck Palumbo, you know, he's got a new finishing move and he's, he's kicking ass. He like, he didn't even last that long. They really just, they needed people to take Chuck Palumbo seriously now, especially coming off of Billy and Chuck. Yes. You know, yes. they needed people to remember him. But Chuck Palumbo has always had hilarious themes. And we'll cover those in depth at some point. But man, he just always has some some hilarious themes. And just, you know, as ironic as it is that basically no one besides us remembers this theme or Chuck Palumbo as a whole. I fucking love this theme. I really do. Especially since it's Howard on vocals. It's just, you got a hard rock song. You got like, you know, these little powerful, you know, chorus vocals. If you see me on this highway, highway, with the echo, it just gets to you. You know, it's not something that you're, you know, you're going to listen to this every single day, but... Oh, oh but I didn't speak for yourself. If, oh, oh, Speak sorry. for yourself. I drive to work with Excuse this. Excuse me. You see me on that highway, you're going to remember me. <laughs> you're going to remember Chris Maffei. Okay. Now, now uh, one, more, one more note on Chuck Palumbo here. Yes. Now, to me... Chuck Palomo has always resembled a cross between Batista and Chuck Billy from Testament. I can see that. I can definitely see that. But especially with the, the long hair. Yeah. I, I can see the mix. I can see it. Yeah. Chuck Billy, very ugly man. Chuck Billy, Billy and Chuck. Yeah. Look, <laughs> look even, at oh that. Oh my God. Look at that. I swear to God that wasn't intentional. I didn't even, I didn't even put that together. Wow. That was right there in front of me. Yeah. Jimmy Bell. Just want to bring him up real quick. He does the guitar work on this. Jimmy Bell is a bit obscure, I think. Uh, he's a session guy. He's done session work for WWE. He actually did a couple of things for them. He did the theme for the Heart Dynasty. Oh, okay. New yeah. Foundation, that theme. Natalia's theme, yep. He did actually some guitar work on uh, Eugene's theme. Wow. Child's Play. He's on that. He's credited on that. So it's very, very interesting. He's also a fun fact here. Remember when uh, the late 80s, when Ozzy needed a new guitarist, yes, it came down. It came down to Zach Wild and Jimmy Bell. As the story goes, Ozzy chose Zach Wild. So, in, in an alternate universe, Chris, Ozzy could have chosen Jimmy Bell for his new guitar work, and Zach Wild could have been doing session work for Jim Johnston. Zach Wild could have done this song. Would have been a lot more pinch harmonics going on. Oh yeah, a lot more of the woo, that kind of stuff. You know, maybe 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 do vocals. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, enough about Chuck Palumbo then. There, there will never be enough about Chuck Palumbo, but we'll we'll move on. Oh no, I I have a I have some stories to tell, but we'll save those for a later date here. Time is of the essence here. Move on now to our next theme. Let's get that shuffle ready. Three, two, one, shuffle. Cause your opinion don't matter 
Eric Bischoff, you're a liar, you're a scam, you're a cheat. Fire me! I'm already fired! I'm already fired! I'm pointing and smiling to the microphone right now. Pointing, smiling, running Raj, the GM. We've got Eric Bischoff's theme here, Chris. I am back by Jim Johnston. Oh, what a theme. If Eric Bischoff could be harnessed into musical form, I'm pretty sure this is it. This is the song. This is the song, yeah. A large part of what made Eric Bischoff so hateable and so effective as a heel authority figure in WWE was this song. Because when this song hits, it's just instant, just, oh, Christ, here we go again. It's Eric Bischoff. He's, oh, God, not now. It's so, you know what it is? It's so different than Vince's theme. Because, you know, Vince's theme is, you know, no chance in hell. It's dread-inducing. You know, it's it's so much more foreboding and, and epic. This theme, I'm back, this is just pure assholishness. Vince is the boss. Eric Bischoff, this is every middle management shit-kicker boss that you've ever had. Just so smarmy and condescending. You know, he, he smiles right to your face while he's dicking you over. You know, at least Vince yells at you with, your, with his veins bulging, you know, but he just... Oh, he's just got this fucking arrogant air about him. He rides motorcycles, he wears jeans. He listens He listens to this type of music. This is the type of song that Eric Bischoff listens to. And it just, it works so well. So well for Eric Bischoff. It really does. This is quite clearly, I think, a take on Back in Black by ACDC. Mm. Just in terms of instrumentation. And obviously the word back. Yes. Uh, this... Also, similar, very similar in style to You're Gonna Pay. Yes. And Dead Man. I noticed that too. In terms of riffs, the drums, and the song structure. Yeah, yeah. I'm back and better than ever. You've done it now and gone and made a big mistake. Very similar. Very similar. Mashup potential there. And I do feel like if Jim Johnston would have started a band at this point in his life, if he started a band, I feel like this would be the type of thing that he'd be doing, you know? His own take on the classic rock that he listened to growing up. Yeah. And it's perfect for Eric Bischoff at this point in time. Lyrically perfect. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you want to run through some of these lyrics here. This is the, the greatest thing ever here. The chorus itself. It's time, get in line, because I'm going to make some changes. Kicking ass, taking names, screaming, I'm so famous. I'm burning out the dead wood, burning down time, because it's only my way, so get your ass in line. Oh my fucking god, you, you've squeezed this man's essence into a song here. <laughs> Even more so with this line, now I'm back, the boss of you morons. I mean, come on man, right there, right there, it's right there. You know, this really just makes me want to l- watch that interview footage of him sitting in an arena while the Raw set is being constructed (laughs) that's been used in every WWE documentary ever where he's talking about I wanted to create a WCW and I wanted to create an NWO. Yeah. It's just there's nothing better than just watching any documentary that's even remotely WCW related and they cut to a clip of that footage like every three minutes. Like it's great. Eric Bischoff, he was the villain of my childhood. He was the guy that always wanted to fuck over the baby faces like, you know, Austin and Shawn Michaels and Rob Van Dam. I remember, you know, one time it was like Shawn Michaels versus Triple H for the world title. 
it was in San Antonio, Texas, too. So the crowd was on fucking fire for Shawn Michaels, man. They were they were begging for him to win. It's like a like a thirty minute match. Michaels hits him with sweet chin music, falls on top of him. One, two, three. The crowd goes nuts. Eric Bischoff comes out and says, "Hold on a second. Hold on a second. I'm sorry." Shawn Michaels' shoulders were also down during that count. The count has now been nullified. This match is a draw. And the entire fucking building just explodes with nuclear heat. And top it off, Eric Bischoff says, You know what, Shawn Michaels? You're fired. Happy New Year. And it's like, What? What did he? No. What? He fired Shawn Michaels? What? Why did you do that? It's like, oh my God. And of course, you know, Austin comes out and, you know, rehires him. But, you know, he was just the villain that everyone, you know, loved to hate. And looking back now, I love Eric Bischoff as that villain. He was so great. He was really what made that era work, I think, a lot of it, you know? You said it perfectly. You love to hate Eric Bischoff, especially at this time. You know, it was a bit of a different ball game from Eric Bischoff and WCW. And there was just, there was a lot surrounding Eric Bischoff as well that I also enjoyed. I really enjoyed when Jonathan Coachman was his uh, assistant. His lackey, yeah, yeah. I, the, a lot of that stuff was great when he was co-GMs with Austin. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's one specific segment I remember where The Rock, during his Hollywood Rock gimmick, was just in Eric Bischoff's office, playing the guitar for Eric Bischoff. And you just see Bischoff trying not to die laughing (laughs) on screen and and trying just not to break character. And it's so great. A lot of fun stuff. So it was fun to hate Eric Bischoff at this time. When he came back for the Hall of Fame, hearing, I'm back, it just all the memories came flooding back and a a big smile came across my face. Now, uh, we should mention the vocalist for the song uh, is a man named Jimmy Coons, uh, K-U-N-E-S. He is a singer in a band called Cactus, which is like uh, you know one of those classic rock bands that sort of survived you know, in, in obscurity, I guess, throughout the years. But uh, that's who sings the lyrics here. I've actually heard of Cactus before, so that's pretty cool. I have too. I have too. I think he's one of the newer guys there. But uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was Eric Bischoff's theme, you know, really just smarmy douchebag middle management to a T egomaniac and with a little so his own little power base and it's really just tremendous that he had this song to go with him ready for more themes Chris ready to hit that shuffle button once more let's do it let's fire up the theme machine 2017 and let's get on to the next one let's do it here we go three two one shuffle uh oh uh oh! Um, oh boy, oh, this is not good. Well, well uh, see, you see what happens. I told you. Uh, you go to B and H. You don't go to Best Buy. <sighs> did 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 you get the service plan? Um, what? I have a confession to make. I didn't get this at Best Buy. Where did you get it? I got it off Crime Time. Oh, they they were having a sale. Why? It was out of their trunk. I'm sorry. <sighs> Listen, they're charismatic guys, you know, Brooklyn, Brooklyn, you know, yo, yo, yo. I know, JTG is very charming. They're great salesmen, okay? I'm sorry. It was a a deal of a lifetime. I had to, I'm sorry. Well, what what are we going to do now? We are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. This is an ordinary man. Honey, I'm home. I made dinner. This is a hungry man. 
Baby, I'm home. How was work today? A few body slams. The usual. I'm starving. What's for dinner? I made your favorite. Hungry man. A whole pound of food men love. Fried chicken, mashed potatoes, corn and pudding. Mind if I join you? Hungry man from Swanson. It's good to be full. Get your own sucker! It's the new energy drink ahead of the bunch. This is YJ Stinger, baby. Pound and punch. You get a rush of energy every time you take a pull. All the mother drinks, man, they fill with bull. This is the real deal, baby, and the facts are true. You want a boost? Grab a stinger made by a stack of two. You know how we do. This drink is number one. Helps energy, performance, concentration. So go and get one and grab them by the case. Look for the stinger can with the yellow jacket face. Drink kicks ass. I don't care about wings. So go and catch the buzz and feel the sting. Uh. Water has been spit. How do you learn to fall of a 20-foot podcast server? It may have been chuckled in half. Ribs have been tickled. I thought Shade might have been joked out. Jokes spoken. I dislocated my sense of humor. I think I broke my funny ball. I ruptured a buildup in my bladder, which fragmented into my underpants. Podcast careers ending in an instant. Yes, this is entertainment, but the giggles are real. How's he even able to laugh? Podcasters, comedians, impressionists down. No matter who you are, whatever you do, please don't try this at home. All right, listen, we got a podcast going on. What are we going to do now? I think I can fix it. I think I have... I think I can figure out how much time it takes to fix it. I think I got it. Hang on a second. Well, how, how long is this going to take? Because, listen, I got things to do. According to my calculations, it should take about, I don't know, three minutes. We got three minutes and we're out of here. The clock is ticking and we're in the clear. We got three minutes and we're out of here. We got three minutes and we're out, we're out. We got three minutes and we're out of here. The clock is ticking and we're in the clear. We got three minutes and we're out of here. We got... Well, look who's here. We played Eric Bischoff's theme, Chris, and just look who happens to show up. It's Eric Bischoff's goons, his hired squad. It's three-minute warning. Rosie and Jamal, their theme, three minutes by two skinny J's. This song rules rock and peace rosie rock and peace jamal you have blessed us with your talents for many years we will honor you now by discussing your fucking amazing theme chris you said it yourself man this thing fucking rules i love it so much oh man i hadn't heard this song in quite some time this isn't one of the themes that i've had in my library for whatever reason but man i remember listening to this a lot i used to make mix cds at this time of a bunch of themes and this was always one of the ones that I had on and I uh, I liked listening to the entire theme not just the WWE edit because you you know you get the whole track yeah you have that that drum intro and everything leading up to the to the first chorus which is where the WWE edit comes in and this is just another instance of where the WWE edit makes it an effective theme song starting with that chorus because man that chorus it's perfect for a wrestling theme oh yeah and it really it, it encapsulates the energy and the vibe that three minute warning gave off at the time like shit is about to go down now real quick we got three minutes and we're out of here the clock is ticking and we're in the clear you know they're gonna come in they're gonna beat the shit out of someone and they're gonna leave and they're gonna look cool doing it you know perfect song for these guys obviously you know three minute warning three minutes perfect choice of goons too for Eric Bischoff you know Rosie and Jamal as these big badass Samoan gangsters just flattening people with moonsaults and splashes and ooh it's tremendous stuff 
the genre of this mm-hmm. is called nerdcore hip hop. It's it's really hip hop with a live feeling. This song it has a live band type of feel to it. Yeah, you know it's not overtly like a rock hip hop thing, but it does have rock elements to it. But it just feels so live. It just feels so cool. It feels I, I you could go to a club and see this song performed, and it would probably sound exactly like this with you know with a live band. Yeah, I'm interested in how this song was selected in relation to the team itself. Now, did someone find this song and then come up with the gimmick, or did they come up with the gimmick and then find this song? Because the album came out before Three Minute Warning's debut, so I could see it being the former, where they found this song mm-hmm. and then they came up with the, with the gimmick. Maybe somebody really liked this song, or this song got pitched to them, and then the gimmick took shape, because it's very specific to the name Three Minute Warning and the song title being Three Minutes. The whole gimmick of Three Minute Warning was, okay, Eric Bischoff doesn't like someone. If someone's having a boring match in a ring or if someone's you know, talking in the ring, Eric Bischoff would come out and say, you've got three minutes and that's it. And as soon as three minutes you know, were up, out comes Rosie and Jamal to beat him up. So maybe it was a case where they started the gimmick, then someone else discovers the song, and then they add it in later. According to the band's guitarist, they didn't receive any compensation for the use of this song. And if you go back, this is overdubbed on the network. You're not going to hear this song on the network. So I'm not sure why, but they didn't receive any compensation for this song. So that's, you know, that's kind of sad because it's such a great song for this, this, you know, it really stands out among at the time. And I think people really enjoyed this and the gimmick as well. And they never saw a dime. Tremendous rapping, I must say. The... The, the flow that they have, if I can use that word without sounding corny as all hell, uh, the flow that they have is, is quite tremendous. I, I noted uh, one of the lyrics here, Believe us, we rock blocks with perseverance, the adamant, aberrant, associate, antecedent, precedent to your view like Greeks to Europeans. So the lyrics and the way they're able to say them you know, with aplomb is, is quite great, I must say. This band, I believe, was uh, formed at Columbia University. Hmm. So it, it it makes sense. Also, you know, for people who like hip hop, this I get kind of a hieroglyphics vibe from the vocals. I get kind of that type of vibe too. It has has that type of you know nerdcore, you know, independent early to mid two thousands hip hop type of vibe. So really cool. I like the song a lot. This, this is a great theme. It's got those nice synthesizer undertones in the chorus. I like that a lot. It's got a theremin, I think. I think yeah, you know, a theremin, that little little device. That's pretty cool. That's pretty unique. Like we said, the great drumming all throughout. Real, real sick beat. Great rhymes all around. A great song. Now, I wasn't around for 3MW uh, when I first started watching. By that time, Rosie was already a superhero in training with the Hurricane, and uh, Jamal was. I think he was out of the company at the time, but then he came back, obviously, as uh, Umaga. That's really when I first started watching Jamal. And again, like we said, you know, rest in peace to both of them. Because sadly, uh, Rosie, he, he died a few weeks ago, which is uh, it's quite sad that we lose them all so young. Yeah, I was, I was a big fan of this tag team. I was a huge fan of Umaga, and I got a kick out of the superhero in training gimmick. So very sad. Great memories, though, left behind. By by both by both of these, yeah. From this gimmick and and beyond that, so uh, you know, 
I'll never forget that Billy and Chuck wedding to bring it back to Chuck Palumbo. I'll never forget when Eric Bischoff ripped off the mask and then yes, Rosie and Jamal yes. just fucking stormed the ring and kill him. Oh, man. Great. Yeah. And Rico turned on Billy and Chuck and joined 3MW. Very cool. Very cool moment. Uh, all right, Chris. I think I fixed it. We're good to go with our next theme. Are you ready to uh, shuffle along here? Let's do it. Let's do it. Three, two, one, shuffle. Good golly, Miss Molly, what have we stumbled upon here? The life and times of John Heidenreich, to say the least, are incredible. And this song, Dangerous Politics, is right up there with it. Because the Heidenreich package, Chris, the whole shebang was... That's Johnny Gargano. Excuse me. The whole kitten caboodle, I guess you could say, of Heidenreich was so fucking weird and so fucking crazy and bizarre... We could do a whole podcast about Heinrich, uh, uh, I think. <laughs> I don't know about that. You certainly could. I certainly could with what I remember. Oh, my. Heiden, Heidenreich. Heidenreich. I'd like to point out that John Carroll did an incredible rendition of this song at the end of the last episode. John did a tremendous version. We had to put this in here, Chris. We had to talk about Heinrich. I am entranced by this for a number of reasons. First and foremost, the lyrics. Because we mentioned last time, stingers are prevalent not just in Dragon Gate, but in all of wrestling. Name-checking yourself at the beginning of a song, you know, you know, it's me, it's me, it's DDP. We are Jado Gato, ha ha ha, you know, Taka is coming, motherfucker. Gregory helps! Bana, bana. Stingers are prevalent throughout you know, the entire wrestling landscape. This is an instance where the stinger is used throughout the entire song. A good 75% of the song is Paul Heyman going, Heiden, Heidenreich, Heidenreich. Oh my fucking God, Paul Heyman is singing Heidenreich throughout most of the song, which builds up this mythos of Heidenreich, really, you know, it, it's, it's tremendous. I'd argue that Paul Heyman is 100% of this song, because he's <laughs> the thing He's the thing that makes this so memorable. I really had no recollection of what anything of the rest of this song sounded like. I only remembered the vocals yeah. and just the overall feel yeah. and the, the tempo of it. And you remember Paul Heyman. And really, brilliant move to use Paul Heyman's voice in a musical setting. And this should be done more often, musically speaking. Here, I get kind of a kind of a Ramstein type of vibe from this. Definitely, very militaristic, very you know classic. You know, it's very foreboding. It's very like I say, Ramstein. It's got that hard beat that's constant, and it's in your face, and it's it's like a big boot crushing on your neck. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's like, it's like that. Very similar to Heidenreich in the ring. This is really, this is built around the rhythm section. Yes. And there's some low palm muted power chords. You know, it does transition into a more open section with a little octave harmony going on, but there's not a whole lot of melody. There's nothing pretty. It's just kind of stripped down, bare bones, heavy guitars. This is kind of what it is. It's got those heavy drum pounds to those boom. 
boom, it's like a, like a shadow, like a, a giant is walking towards you, casting a shadow over your head, you know, slowly, you know, as it gets closer and closer. I mean, it's, it works perfectly for Heidenreich. The music itself, you know, lyrics aside, the music is great for Heidenreich because he's supposed to be this big, crazy monster who beats people up. And there's also kind of a marching band kind of feel to them, which yes. also fits in with Heidenreich. And also, his original gimmick, he was originally supposed to be a cryogenically frozen Nazi. <laughs> so, I mean, either way. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to run? Do you want to just go over the life and times of John Heidenreich real quick here? I would love nothing more. Heidenreich started out as this—he was just a guy in Raw. I, I, you know, he just around for a little bit. He was supposed to have this storyline where he had like another personality, like a split persona called Little Johnny, with like a little doll representing him. That was scrapped. He went back down to developmental. Months later, he comes back on SmackDown with Paul Heyman as his manager. That's right, folks. We said it before. We say it again. Heidenreich is a Paul Heyman guy. This is where things took a turn because Heidenreich, they upped the crazy factor to 11 here. He would run in. He would beat people up. He would beat up fans. He would beat up wrestlers. He had his, his poetry he would read called Disaster Pieces. The piece de resistance, as we all know, Chris, kidnapping Michael Cole and uh, raping him in the bathroom, which is one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen in my life. And I have a little uh, excerpt here from an interview that Heidenreich did in 2008 about this thing, this incident. He said that Vince McMahon came up with it in a dream one night. He said that Stephanie was the one who approached him on the day of the show to inform him of what was going to go down. Heidenreich added, Pulp Fiction came to mind when he heard it and stated, I'm just happy I was doing the raping and not getting raped. First of all, Vince McMahon dreamt that! He dreamt that! Yeah... And it's really not surprising. We know Vince gets like two hours of sleep a night. It must have been a quick dream, but he dreamt that. Uh, I'll, I'll say one more thing on John Heidenreich. He looks like if Dolph Ziggler and Matt Morgan became one, if they just merged into one human. If Dolph Ziggler and Matt Morgan went into the machine from the fly, they would come out and slowly merge to become, you know, Heidenreich. This big, blonde, muscle creature hell-bent on destruction in poetry. Heidenreich turned babyface, by the way, folks, a little bit later, and uh, somehow danced with audience members. He you know, read poetry, joined the Legion of Doom, as you do. One tag gold with Warrior Animal. Oh, boy. John Heidenreich. Great theme. Great theme. Very fun. Very memorable. Very unique. <laughs> let's fire up the theme machine 2017. Let's, 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 get the, let's get the hell out of here. Let's get the hell out of here, goddammit. Three, two... One shuffle. All right, now this is a nice change of pace here, Chris. Oh my damn. This is Jazz Stinger. This is a theme for the uh, former women's champion, Jazz. I like to call this uh, bossy jazz. This is not, you know, be you know, sensual and, and get down to it. This is kick your ass jazz. First of all, Jazz ruled. I remember loving Jazz. She was so badass. And especially when she was with Rodney Mack and Teddy Long and, mm-hmm. and with that little clip. Oh, man. Thugging and bugging Enterprises. Thugging and bugging, baby. I was all about it. Second of all, this theme... 
is just an otherworldly combination of crushing metal riffs and a cheesy saxophone from a Casio Arranger keyboard. I mean, there's, I mean, there's no way this is a real sax player. I mean, aside aside from the intro, everything else sounds like it's just someone playing a, a, a cheap keyboard that you can play in Walmart. Yeah. Just trying to be Charlie Parker. But it's still just great. And what's so hilarious about this is that Big Jim Johnston, he can't even do jazz without putting some metal guitars in there. This is what makes it bossy jazz. The saxophone on its own, it's it's too, like I said, it's too central for jazz. She needs kick-ass music. She needs music that says, I'm not here to be pretty, I'm not here to be nice, I'm here to fuck shit up in the, in the women's division. And that's what she did. That's why you have... Exactly, that's why you have that in there to convey the, you know, the badass nature of jazz. Good on Jim Johnson for... For utilizing his talents and, you know, putting that in there. Separate the jazz from the jazz, if you will. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but, you know, I don't know what... Uh, go, go along with it. It was so different from all of the other women's themes at the time. Because this was just... This was just crush... As I said, crushing metal riffs. You take the saxophone out of it. This was heavier than anything that any of the women were coming out to at the time. And jazz, it really warranted it. Because you look at her and just, what could have been... I feel like if she came around 10 years later, oh my god, she, I feel like she would thrive in the environment today. Imagine jazz versus Asuka. Oh man. Just like jazz, big muscly, just powerhouse jazz versus kick your head off Asuka, that little comp, that little, you know, style clash there, I'd be very, very good. As well as, you know, a bunch of other, you know, women's wrestlers now. The women's roster back then on Raw not, not a bad collection of ladies we got here. You know, you got you got Jazz, you got Lita, you got Trish, Victoria, Gail Kim, Victoria, Molly Holly, Ivory. You know, it's it's pretty fucking great. People like to pretend that oh well, the women's roster wasn't any good until you know recent years. But yeah, if you actually did something with the talent that you had instead of what they did at the time, they were very capable mm-hmm. and more so than anyone was ever allowed to see at that time you know you did have things like trish and lena main eventing raw but yeah those opportunities came so few and far between and i feel like somebody like jazz she could have been such such a big star yeah and had more of a legacy than she did when people think about jazz maybe the first thing they think about is this song and that's not to say it's not a great song and doesn't need that's not warranted but man i i really enjoyed her you know she had an ecw run you know she's done some indies since still married by the way to ronnie mac which is pretty cool yeah nice to see that you know relationship lasts so long it's that mac militant you know you don't it's the mac Millet's coming to get it all you know all right uh ready for our next theme chris let's do it three two one shuffle First, this is for the Armageddon pay-per-views. Uh, this is a song by Jim Johnston called The End, which, uh, hmm, I wonder why it's called this. 
Well, I wonder why it's called The End. Uh, could it be, you know, perhaps, oh, I don't know, it's a takeoff on the actual song, The End, by The Doors. Just a hunch, Chris, just a hunch. There's definitely a Doors influence in this, and it is down to the vocalist. Do you want to tell us who sings this song? The vocalist is a man named Eamon Cronin. Eamon is the lead singer of a band called Writers on the Storm, which is, if you didn't know by now, if you didn't guess it, a Doors tribute band. Eamon actually, uh, funny enough, he also sings the lead on Fight. Oh, really? The theme for SummerSlam 2002. A great song, in my opinion. I love that song. This is for the Armageddon pay-per-views. Obviously, a song called The End. Perfect for Armageddon, considering it was, you know, the last pay-per-view of the year during most of Ruthless Aggression. And if you're going to do a song about Armageddon, The End is a pretty, by The Doors is a pretty good song to copy. And he does, and it's a, it's a pretty you know interesting facsimile here because he's got the same title. Eamon's got the same vocal stylings as Jim Morrison, the same you know abstract lyrics. You know, you came to me in a dream last night. You know, one minute here, the next you will go. Very Doors-ish, you know. But uh, obviously, when it kicks in, a much heavier song than the actual Doors one. This really stands out among all the music used for video packages over the years. I would say. And I think that's mostly because it's not just production music that you would find in a library. You know, this was, he custom made this Mm -hmm. for this pay-per-view. And it was used, obviously, in other pay-per-views as well. I believe it was used for a Survivor Series. And recently in NXT TakeOver, they used this as well. It's funny, in this era, to current day as well, you don't see a lot of pay-per-views, non-big ones, you know, outside of the main ones, use the same theme over and over again. Because this was used for Armageddon from 2002 to 2007. This is a case where, you know, multiple years using the same song for a pay-per-view. You know, you don't see this a lot, except I think for, you know, Money in the Bank, which is another Jim Johnson song. But other than that, they just use, you know, outside music, you know, licensed, you know, songs by outside bands. So uh, very interesting here for this time period. Yeah, and this really strikes a certain nerve that just really drives your emotion there. And for a video package, it really helps you get invested in the images that you're seeing in conjunction with the music. So it serves its purpose perfectly. It's got that great hook. The end is here. It's so memorable. You know, for as paint-by-the-numbers video packages can sometimes be, you can close your eyes and, and think of images, specific images associated with video packages that this song was used in. That's a positive. It helps you remember the programs. It helps you remember the matches. You know, that's what this is all about. That's what a great video package and a great song for a video package is going to do. It's not just a dun, 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 dun. Yeah. It's not just something so overblown and so, you know, epic that it sounds like everything else and you forget it. This is really unique. And one of Jim Johnston's better custom songs for a pay-per-view because there have been a couple some of them not so great yeah we'll get to those a little bit later i think uh, down the line definitely definitely but yeah like you said a memorable hook coupled with a very memorable in my opinion guitar riff that ba-dum, 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 the end is here like you need that for you know to really spice things up a bit you know to make to make your theme stand out and not just be you know generic pay-per-view theme number 12 Chris, do you have any uh, favorite Armageddon moments? Let me see if I can guess. Let me see if I can guess. Was it uh, Cowboy Bob Orton almost giving Undertaker hepatitis? 
when he bled on him. I, 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 how did you guess? You read my mind. Yeah. Or, or was it, let me guess, or was it Joey Mercury breaking his face on the ladder? Oh, no, that's definitely not a favorite. That was horrible. Yeah. And I, oh my God, every time I see that, uh, yeah. I don't even want to have a face anymore. I just want my face to go away just so it cannot be broken in that manner. Definitely. Uh, worst of all, I think, Big Show versus Big Boss Man. <laughs> the buildup, uh, tremendous. But the actual match itself, a bit of a clunker there. Hey, listen, Armageddon, it's not one of the big ones. But, uh, you know, it was there for a number of years. You know, it was a staple of the uh, the pay-per-view there. You know, it'd be interesting if Jim Johnston went another direction. And being that the pay-per-view is called Armageddon, if he did a take on I Don't Want to Miss a Thing by Aerosmith. Oh, yeah. How, How nauseating would that be? I hate that song. I can do without it. I like Aerosmith a lot, but I can do without that one. One of the one of the worst songs. Ugh. Overplayed, I think. Uh, I agree with you on there. Just, ugh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, listen, Chris. He's gonna. Oh you. God. He's he's gonna. We make movies. Drink we, drinks we a movies. water bottle as only he can. Drinks the water like a, like like a lizard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris. Let's move on now. The uh, speaking of the end, the end is almost here. So uh, the end is almost here. So yeah, move on out to our next theme. Three, two, one. Shuffle. It's our boy. It's Tadger. It's it's Tajiri with his uh, with his theme Asia Attacker slash Green Mist. Because it was renamed when it came back in you know, last year. Uh, and it's by uh, Jim Johnston, Bradley Royds, and Billy West. Now, this isn't Billy West, the guy who voiced Doug Funny and Roger Klotz, is it? It's funny you mention that, Chris. I was curious about that myself. I emailed Bradley Royds about it. About, you know, is this the same guy? And Bradley, very kindly, he responded to my email. Uh, he said, this is not the same Billy West that is the voice actor. You know, it's it happens often with Billy. He does have a long history of making music for many projects and campaigns. He's also like my brother. I was hired to score these pieces, and I thought that Billy would be perfect for the Tajiri theme. So, yeah, that's the story. Not the same guy, but uh, just one of those session guys that, you know, has the same name as Billy West. A.K.A. Doug Finey and, and Fry and Farnsworth and... Uh, and Roger Klotz! The Red M&M and uh, the Cheerios B and uh, the Zoidberg and a whole bunch of other stuff. Ren and Stimpy, of course, as well, so... Uh, How perfect would it be if it actually was Doug Funny doing the Tajiri <laughs> Doing thing? Like, for, for me, for, for how often I reference Doug I for know. whatever reason. But even so... And that's really cool that you got a hold of Bradley Royds. Yeah, it was very, it was very nice to, to respond so quickly, you know. But uh, it's not, you know, it's not Billy West. Uh, if it was Billy West, we would hear a lot of, you know, do 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 in the song, but... We don't, we don't get, we don't get that. Unfortunately, we get what is essentially Asian sounds. The song, <laughs> yeah. you've got, you've got your pan flutes, you've got your East Asian string instruments. I would argue that this is Asian sounds. The song part two, because Tajiri's first theme was very much oh, yes. Asian sounds. The song Imperial City, yeah, don't, 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 yeah, yeah, very, very much so. With the, I think it's like a can in the beginning of it. I think, and this is really the perfect response to that theme because it just sounds kind of like a more serious more villainous version of that theme well Tajiri you know much of 2002 2003 he was a heel he was you know that that dastardly heel you know misting people in the face of this green mist so you need this you know sort of sinister 
Japanese-tinged theme here to represent him. And it works, I think. You know, it's it's repetitive, of course, and it gets stuck in your head a lot, but, uh, you know, it's Tajiri. It's all, he's awesome. So, you know, I like the song a lot. Me too. I love Tajiri, and I'm really a big fan of this theme. It's got a lot of gongs and cymbals yep. going throughout it, and they, it just makes it feel fucking huge. Yep. I've always been a big fan of this one. I also liked his first one, but that one sounded a little bit more quirky, a little bit more maybe friendly, more babyface oriented. That was very much the case of him being Regal's lackey. Yeah. When he was, you know, commissioner of WWF. And then being in a relationship with Tori Wilson and then directing shampoo commercials. Director of Vegent Booker's shampoo commercials, of course. But uh, yeah, this thing definitely much, it fits him in this this, this era. Those symbols, those wide flourish of this, those, 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 it sounded to me a little bit like He's spraying mist himself. Oh, I got that kind of feeling from it too. A little nice, little nice, little cool touch there. You know, I have gr- I have such great memories of Tajiri at this time with Akio and Sakota, or as Michael Cole liked to call them back in the day, Akio and Sakata, <laughs> or as my friend Rich liked to call them, making fun of Michael Cole, Hakuna and Matata. <laughs> yeah. Uh- I had a bit of a mixed relationship with Tajiri when I was a kid. When he was on SmackDown as a heel, I hated him. Because obviously, you know, he was misting Rey Mysterio in the face. And misting Nydia with a black mist and blinding her for a few weeks. Then he went to Raw in the draft. And, you know, he, he starts misting Coach and Triple H. And he turns, like, face. And he starts teaming up with Rhino. And, you know, I just, like, I fell in love with him. And when he won the, when he won the belts with Regal in, uh, in Japan. So, um, Tajiri, like we said, very repetitive, but, uh, it, it, you're kind of a, you know, like a, a cruising exotica, uh, song, uh, but, uh, you know, it, for Tajiri, you know, definitely works. You know, if you're going to give them the stereotypical Asian sounding song, at least it's good and it's catchy and it fits him. Yeah, definitely. And you know, Big Jimmy, Big Jim Johnston managed to restrain himself from including the metal guitars in this one. So, hey, yeah. there you go. Bradley Royds. I want to bring him up one more time here before we uh, get to the last theme. What a name, by the way. Bradley Royds. R-O-Y-D-S, if you want to look him up. He's another journeyman guy. Fun fact here. He also did the dubbed version of Ric Flair's theme for the video games. Interesting. You ever play the video games where it's like Ric Flair comes out and it's like, that's not Sprex yeah. Thro- It sounds... It, it is, it is, but it's like... It's it's off in a way. He also did the uh, dubbed version of Randy's first theme in SmackDown Shut Your Mouth. I remember that. And uh, he also did the dubbed theme for Stacey Keebler when she was in the video games. Because, you know, Keebler had the uh, the legs by uh, Kid Rock. Ugh. I, I know. Would have been better off with CZ Top. Kid Rock covered ZZ Top's legs for Stacey Keebler. In the video games, they used Bradley's song to dub it over. Yeah, that's the Jerry's theme. That's us, Bradley and Billy. Are you ready for our final theme of the episode? The end is here. Let us do it. Let's do it. Let's rub the th- machine. Let's rub the theme machine 2017 for good luck. Give us a good one, baby. Come on. Three, two, one, shuffle. Where my freaks at? You get no simpy from me, Chris. You get no simpy from me. You know our listeners—they don't have to wait. 
for the Earth to rotate on a 45 degree axis so stars touch sky and create an equal axis. Holler, if you hear me. Scott Steiner, Chris. Scott mother fucking Steiner. We, we are gifted from the gods, Chris. Not, you know, Lucha Underground gift from the gods. We are gifted with, with audio, with audio mana from heaven. With Scott Steiner's theme. Not so much the theme itself here. Because, like any other Scott Steiner Big Papa Pump era theme, it's sirens and a bee under it. Basically. That's it. That's what you get. Similar stuff in TNA and WCW with just you know, different mixes, of course. Different beats behind it. But this is what the theme is, Chris. A siren. And really, how fitting for Scott Steiner to come out with a siren blaring. Yeah, this is one of those infamous siren themes. You know, there's there's been a lot of them. Yeah. Perry Saturn, Cesaro. Tomohiro Ishii, of course. Hangman Page as well. Oh, yeah, that's what... I, that's the... I mean, that's really what everyone thinks of Hangman Page. But listen, when, this, when that siren hits... Oh, wait a minute. We forgot one. Ambulance Ryback. Oh, my God. A.K.A. the, the best Ryback. The best Ryback. Ambulance Ryback. Oh, oh, my God. Ryback rules. Loved Ambulance Ryback. Just because I like saying Ambulance Ryback. If you could put Ambulance in front of anyone's name, it's instantly way cooler. From Detroit, Michigan... Big Papa Pump Ambulance Steiner. <laughs> Ambulance James Ellsworth. Ambulance Ellsworth. It sounds cool. Alliteration. You got, you got the whole package there. Ambulance Ellsworth. Oh my God. Scott Steiner coming out. Just this big, just big bowling bag of, of meat. <laughs> just this, just bowling balls and just meat sacks. It, it, I can't even describe I'm, I'm tongue-tied, <laughs> tongue Chris. I can't even describe it properly. What? I can't even say the right words properly, Chris. I'm just aghast at Scott Steiner. Meat sacks? Cut this part out, all right? I, no. I, I, <laughs> no, that's incredible. He's, 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 he's smuggling meat under his arms. <laughs> just just big ham hocks. You know, there's big chunks of, of, of ground beef oh, good God. smushed oh, in man. there. The sight of the man. He's, he's also the world's greatest ring announcer. <laughs> Hailing! From Dunkin' Donuts! Scott Steiner and WWE. Where do we start? The, the Triple H feud? No. The Test feud? No. The Stacey Keebler relationship? No. Oh, no. I forgot <laughs> about that. No. Give me a fucking mic. No. His debut. Do we start it. with that one? That's we... it. <laughs> That's the one. My goodness. My, my goodness. What a, what a wrestler. What a theme. This song... I actually find this really repetitive and annoying. Uh, it is, yeah. The siren is really the song. You know, I like, I have to say, I like the WCW version better, where it's just, it's kind of the same thing, but instead of like the, it's these kind of like funk guitars, like, it's just a little bit cooler. It's not as annoying as this one is. To talk about Big Papa Pump, because he wasn't there for that long. He was only there for like, you know, like, like 18 months at the most. And like the last like four months or so, he was like injured. So he came in like a house of fire, feud with the Triple H, had two of the dirt worst matches you can have, and then it was from there. Just, you know, feuding with Test, carrying around Stacey Keebler. I mean, it wasn't up to snuff or Big Papa Pump, I'm afraid. You know, Is there a snuff to live up to? I mean, oh, I listen, guess maybe the Steiner Brothers tag team. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Any man who can do the Steiner, you know, Frankensteiner. The Steiner screwdriver, the Steiner recliner, the Steiner flatliner. 
If he opened a restaurant, it'd be the Steiner Diner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if he uh, if he traveled by bus, he'd be on the Steiner limo limo liner. You know, I could go on. I could go on here, Chris, but uh, if he got a black eye, it'd be a Steiner Shiner. Shiner. <laughs> Come on, let's. <laughs> You might have a, you might have a couple of kids. You might have some Steiner miners. Oh my you know, god, floating around. But uh, if he made a, you know, six second videos, he'd be a Steiner Viner. <laughs> are we done with that? Are we? Are we? <laughs> Listen, when he goes shopping for school supplies, he buys a Steiner binder. My god, that, that you know what? That's a D in it. I'm not counting that one. What? It's got to be I N I N E R, Chris. I N E R. Oh, get out, get out of here. Get out of here. Follow the rules of rhyme, goddammit. Follow the rules of rhyme. No, listen. That's acceptable. Hey, listen. There are so many themes, Chris, we, we didn't get to. So many. We can do volume three, volume eight, volume 20 if we wanted to. You know, Rene Dupree, Jamie Noble, the Bastion Brothers, the Heartthrobs. So many great themes. Deuce and Domino. Rob Conway. Ashley. Ashley <laughs> Massaro, Chris. Let's let let's let a fire. <laughs> well, Chris, I think that does it for this episode of Music of the Mat. So much fun. As I think this episode especially to me was so much extra fun because it was such a nice trip down memory lane for me. Did you enjoy this one as much as I did, Chris? I hated every minute of this, and I'm 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 actually quitting the podcast after this. Oh. So uh, so good goodbye. <laughs> no, this was a ton of fun. I love it. Listen, this is a period that I look back on as kind of when I became a wrestling fan on my own because for so long I had been kind of watching wrestling with my cousin and looking up to him and kind of the things that he liked I liked and the things that he you know so very much influenced by my cousin but this is the the, the time period where I stopped hanging out with him and he got out of wrestling and wrestling became something for me it was my own thing and this was just kind of a new start and there's a there's a lot about this era not only wwe this is when i start experimenting with other companies and looking outward and seeing what else is out there so very much the ruthless aggression era you know say what you will about it but i do have fond memories of of this time and this is when i got really active on the internet as a fan and and just just got really into a lot of the aspects of wrestling that you know the mid-2000s would offer to the wrestling fan at the time so i hold this period in high regard and in a special place in my heart as well. And a lot of these themes as well, they bring back great memories. And that's what this whole thing is all about. This is my childhood. This this was me becoming a wrestling fan with these themes and with these wrestlers and with this era of WWE. And looking back now, obviously, I'm not blind to the fact that there was some not great stuff, as we've mentioned uh, on this podcast, some of which we mentioned on the podcast already, Chris. But like any era, there's good stuff and there's bad stuff. You know, if if you're the kind of person that says, oh, ruthless aggression, it sucked, it was the worst thing ever, obviously, you're wrong. If you're the type of person that says, oh, ruthless aggression, it was the greatest time for wrestling, I loved it so much, again, you're blind to the fact that there was some bad stuff. You're wrong as well. There's a creamy nougat middle that I think we can all agree, good stuff and bad stuff. You know, we had the SmackDown 6 and, you know, Shawn Michaels' career resurgence and, you know, the edge heel turn. We also had Katie Vick and uh, Al Wilson dying via sex. And Heidenreich. And, and Heidenreich and Michael Cole. And a bunch of other stuff, which we will, won't get into this time around. But, again, it's wrestling. There's good and there's bad and there's everything in, in between. So, that's going to do it for this episode of Music with the Mat. Thank you, as always, so much for listening. We really appreciate it wholeheartedly. Let's uh, do a couple plugs here. Music of the Mat part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network, voicesofwrestling.com. Check that out. So many great 
podcasts, articles, show reviews, show previews, the whole works there. A tremendous effort by everyone involved. Twitter, you can follow us and tweet at us at Music of the Mat. Just that simple, at Music of the Mat. Check out the forums on the VOW forums, voicesofwrestling.com slash forum. You can chat about everything in wrestling you want. Uh, the YouTube playlists, Chris, uh, as always, collects the uh, music for each episode and puts them up in a uh, handy little uh, YouTube playlist to check out. And, of course, you know, Chris, you'll tweet the link out when it's ready, when this episode's released. Finally, uh, VoicesWrestling.com slash iTunes. Give us and the rest of the network a nice little rating review. We really appreciate it. Chris, episode 10. A landmark, I guess you could say. We made it to 10 episodes. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? What do we got cooking? Well, you know, much like Evolution, episode 10 is a mystery. That's right, folks. We are doing another shuffle. But this time, we are doing a mystery shuffle, which means we're not just covering one era, or one company, or even one continent. We are going around the world and through history, picking up odds and ends, themes here, themes here, themes everywhere, just a collection of wrestling themes from across the board, just, you know, just to celebrate music and wrestling and themes in general, you know? Hit it on a little bit of everything. Yeah, exactly. To really set the next batch of episodes into gear. You know, just really have fun, which is what this is all about. Yeah, so, exactly. You know, this this was fun to uh, break in the theme machine 2017, and 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 break break was the operative word there. But I I think now definitely, I think by definitely. it was on the fritz. But I think by the next episode, I think we'll have it working. Uh, and, yeah, uh, I think there's a lot of fun in store for episode 10. So be sure to check out our mystery theme shuffle coming up in a few weeks. Oh, Chris, uh, before we go, uh, just uh, just want to say something real quick here. You know, they say that uh, all themes are created equal, but you look at my theme, and you look at Samoa Joe's theme, and you can see that statement is not true. See, normally, if you go one-on-one with another theme, you got a 50-50 chance of winning, but I'm a genetic freak, and my theme is not normal, so you got a 25% at best at beat me. Then you add Kurt Angle's theme to the mix. Your chances of winning drastic go down. See, the three-way at sacrifice, your theme got a 33 and a third chance of winning. But my theme, my theme got a 66 and two-thirds chance of winning. Because Kurt Angle's theme knows it can't beat mine, and it's not even gonna try. So Samoa Joe, you take your theme's 33 and a third chance, minus my theme's 25% chance, and your theme got an eight and one-third chance of winning at sacrifice. But then you take my theme's 75% chance of winning if we was to go one-on-one. And then add 66 and two-third percents. My theme got 141 two-thirds chance of winning at sacrifice. See, Joe, the numbers don't lie. And they spell disaster for you at sacrifice. Come on, Petey. Music of the Mad is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.